This episode includes references to self-harm and may not be suitable for some listeners. Welcome to Passage to Wonderland, literary passages to complete your day. Author Angelique Lalonde writes, The Town Carmen Found is a story about the relationships between the experience and idealization of love, self-revelation, the loss of love, and what comes after. It is a story in which a young woman learns to know and experience herself unbound in a magical town that she finds by accident in the field behind her home. Here is The Town Carmen Found from Glorious Frazzled Beings, a collection of short stories by Angelique Lalonde. Carmen Alendra found an old town in the woods behind her house one day, a town that hadn't been there every other time she had walked the back field to the pond. At first, it seemed it was just one old house she hadn't noticed, but as she went through the old house, finding antique bottles and tableware covered in dust, things shifted. She opened cupboards and bent down low to look at bottom shelves, walked through doors that led to other doors and out of the first house onto the walkway of the next. Carmen roamed through the town, finding neat rows of small, modest houses that seemed to have been inhabited and abandoned sometime between 1930 and 1955. One of the houses was slightly bigger, with a high ceiling. In this building, there were dishes and decorations all up the walls metal colanders and forms hanging 30 feet up, an old wooden cook stove in the corner, and dusty linens that had once been starched crisp draped on the windowsills. The door of the kitchen led to a big open room with chalkboards on the walls and a hardwood floor that Carmen surmised must have been the schoolroom. There were big bright windows letting in armfuls of astonishing light, and Carmen Alendra danced. She danced in the room in a way she had never danced before, becoming light and mobile, bending, branching, tracing out the beauty of something corporeal, secret, and clear. Despite her everyday heaviness, Carmen soared. She swirled and dipped and leaped in that room, joyful, free, unencumbered. Although things were falling apart slightly from disuse in the town, and there were bats in the cupboards and torn-up wallpaper where squirrels had been munching, Carmen thought her happiness might lie in fixing a place for herself among all the old dusty things of another time. Carmen could feel that there were other lives happening simultaneously in hidden corners of the town. Although the inhabitants had left the space, she would catch traces of them, sense that they had been there just moments ago, and now no longer were little workshops on desks where small books were being manufactured, a drawer with old lamps that someone was fixing up, plans for turning the courtyard into an ice skating rink come winter. With one exception, Carmen never saw anyone when she visited. She was superstitious about the town, and although she longed to live there permanently, she had a sense that if she changed things, even if she just tidied up a bit, the whole town would disappear and Carmen wanted more than anything just to keep discovering. 
So she visited and danced among the dust, a creature of light and movement. She pulled trinkets out and put them back, and each time she went, she discovered things she'd never seen. The one time she wasn't alone in the town was the morning she encountered a lover in one of the small outbuildings filled with paper, boxes, and wooden shelves. They whispered and grasped each other, familiar yet foreign. Somehow they both happened to be there at the same time, and this sparked an eroticism in her that was like the dance in the schoolroom. Only the body of another moved alongside hers, releasing sparks of immeasurable delight. She didn't look for the lover again, knowing it was part of the town's magic. This, too, was just one of her moments of discovery. Different, but linked to the lamparts in the drawer of the tiny house on the upslope. The squat green hut with drawers of all shapes and sizes, furnished only with a frayed dinosaur rug askew on an uneven floor. The town Carmen found was always raveling and unraveling itself. And in this, it was like Carmen who was like all living creatures, a continuous compendium of death, regeneration, joy, fear, waste, and fury. She longed for things when she was not longing, longed for longing itself. Unlike those of strong faith, she was not content to serve others, to continuously give in service of an ideal. Spiritual fulfillment did not come for her from the crevices of humanity. Carmen's spirit was filled in the dream world, in her forest wanders, and the town Carmen found was rife with the stuff in which spirit could flourish, embedded thickly in the divine. Oh, behold, she would exclaim in empty rooms, wearing all the trappings of their inhabitants' messy lives. Alas, the glory, bells ringing through the air, soft kisses of a humanity we wish for, but otherwise fail to manifest quiet in the spaces between, absurdly and tenderly beautiful. The town Carmen found was a stained-glass window in a 13th-century Gothic cathedral, light of the morning shining through on worshippers filled with awe, transcendent pleasure extended by the gaze of a terrible, loving sovereign. Is it useful here to describe piece by piece the time Carmen was given in the town that she found? To draw a contrast between that world and the other Carmen inevitably had to return to, the world of food, sleep, dirty dishes needing to be washed, exhaust pipes, mouse traps that she baited, set, and emptied on a weekly basis, parasitic fungi, books on faith written by racist men, policy manuals for big box store employees, safety videos, and certificate programs for the unemployed. In the town Carmen found, bereft of human interlocutors, none of these things clung to her. Even the lover had been so vocally silent. Just the body, the inspirited body making sound. In the town Carmen found, she was light, a swift traveler passing through the soft remnants of someone else's dreams. And these dreams, unlike her own, left her filled with magnificent residues of love, cracked open. She became some other Carmen, not the awkward, gawking creature she saw reflected in storefront windows, walking intently with a crook to her neck, societal burdens weighing heavily on her spine. In the town Carmen found, she was lithe and painless, every expression a performance of a being in perfect harmony 
with the beauty of the world. Like any other creature in a story, in the town Carmen found, she became flat, losing edges to the page, the painful parts of her story carved off, shed like dead skin on a wet towel, the loathsome bits left for microscopic insects with mouthpieces specialized for dead human cells. But was this necessary for Carmen to dance? Or was it just a dance of a different order, this free movement in abandoned rooms, surfacing, being submerged, body unmarred by the weight of time? Was it necessary for this Carmen to be juxtaposed with day-to-day Carmen, the beloved with the banal, the spirit with the body? Was it necessary to split Carmen into two to achieve transcendence? Didn't transcendence itself require something to overcome, some lightness of being excavated from a sodden substrate? In the town Carmen found, there was evidence of vast decay. Yet this did not hinder Carmen's heart. She found spaciousness within it. Carmen invited Douglas, but they could not find the town. Then she invited Rupert, and the town was there. But Rupert focused on the price he could get for some of these goods on eBay. Rupert and Carmen tried to dance, but the effect was comical rather than rapturous. He was shy about his body. Couldn't stop thinking about what he looked like to Carmen, what she thought of him while he moved. Carmen picked up his awkwardness and felt stunted. With Sheila Joffers, it was the same thing. And after that, Carmen stopped bringing friends along to the town because she couldn't hear it speak when they were speaking. Human speech drowned out those other ephemeral symbols. Still, she harbored a hope that there would be other recognizable dancers that she would meet them in the world, and that they would dance together, unhindered by the space between selves. Once, Carmen Alendra went to the town following a particularly grueling information session on hereditary law. She did her taxes, ate a poppy seed bagel, downed a carafe of healthful tea, and headed back into the woods. This produced a twitching kind of dance in which her mind dive-bombed her kneecaps, so she was constantly flopping back. Carmen twitched and turned, banging into the floor and walls, and this too was a kind of ecstatic expression. She called it the tax man, and for a season, it became big in Reykjavik when Carmen traveled there and attended some discotheques. People liked the flail of it, how it wiggled all sorts of tensions out of them being beat up by and beating the taxman all at the same time. The town Carmen found would not have been so remarkable if it had been the same as the rest of the world. This led Carmen to infer that there must be boundaries around the sacred. She just wasn't sure who set them. If she understood quantum-level realities, she might have been drawn to questions of beauty at the heart of nature. If she understood faith, she might easily have ascribed all goodness to the Creator's hand. If she were a mathematically-minded being of faith, she might see these premises as equal. If Carmen believed in the generative power of her own visions, she might then place herself as the Maker. But like most of us in this day and age, Carmen was wishy-washy. She'd get close to understanding, and it would fade from her to be replaced by some other possibility and each possibility remained possible for her 
so that she could never quite decide what she should believe firmly and was therefore unable to articulate a larger vision for anything. She accepted things as they were while they were there, longed after manufactured ideals, and mourned her losses bitterly. The town was remarkable because Carmen recognized her happiness there. For a time, she dove full force into the face of joy. Fortitude and grace marked her, a happiness leashed to a temporary gift. Carmen Alendra lost an old town in the woods behind her house one day. She went back and back and back for days, trying to find it. She went back repeatedly over many years. But that town that Carmen had found was only a limited time thing. The town Carmen had found defined her for the rest of her life, even though she could only go there in memory. In finding the town, Carmen had learned that a place existed in which she could simply be. A place where there were no gaps to her, where her deepest hopes were realized, hopes she didn't even know she had. When Carmen lost the town, and for a long time after, she felt she could never feel whole again. She kept trying to figure out how to be in an everyday world in which she was often lost, but without the town to get back to and find herself in, she kept getting tripped up by sticks in the spokes of her wheels. Life kept throwing punches at her, like it was punishing her somehow for the perfection she'd inhabited in the town that she found in the woods behind her house one day. How do you get up time and time again, Carmen? How do you go on when your memory calls you back to the way things were, and the only thing you want is the you that you were then? when every word from your mouth seems tied to the loss of what was. Here is Carmen sitting at a window, drawing detailed plans of the town, as it was every time she went there. Here is Carmen, writing a diary about what she saw. Here is Carmen, trying to dance, ordering antiques online to design her house the way she saw in the town that she found. Here is Carmen, hiding in cupboards full of paper, boxes, and wooden shelves touching herself all over the way that lover did, pretending her hands are not hers. Here is Carmen, trying to stay hopeful, despite the loss of the town. Carmen files paperwork. Carmen watches videos. Carmen eats noodles in broth. Carmen walks around in the woods, looking for another way in, pretending she is just walking in the woods and not looking for a way in. Looking back after the shock of grief, Carmen would see all the layers of her pretending, all the incantations she tried to bring the magic back. She frazzled in the bowels of her grief for a good long while, coming out somewhere, composted on the inside. No longer so lithe, no longer so young. Carmen had more layers to her. A soil test would have told her she'd become a more balanced ecosystem ground in which a greater diversity could thrive. Carmen turned to literature to parse out the pain. Slowly, she began to talk. Carmen talked to Sheila Joffers, who, it turned out, had lost a twin sister to suicide. Both Sheila and her sister, Pomona, had battled the dark demons of their seemingly severed selves, diagnosed at 12 and 11 as clinically depressed. Although the antidepressants had got them through adolescence, 
Pomona wanted to know herself outside of chemical regulation, drawn by curiosity to the innate sparks of her mind. Pomona hurtled in and out of the darkness through her twenties, and at thirty-two, ripped her wrists open with her mother's kitchen shears. Two years Sheila spent in a group home after Pomona's burial. Her bereaved family certain Sheila would be next. Sparkly little Sheila, who would have guessed it? Always doing everything right and cheerful to the bone. Carmen pegged her for an altogether type, figured she had been unable to dance with her because of her uptightness. When they dug into it, Carmen learned that Sheila had been afraid, uncertain in Carmen's town how to partake, despite her desire to dance the way Carmen did. Rupert, too, had his failures. Ambiguous about being a caring man in this world, he ached for tenderness and found freedom only in the expression of rage and competitive advantage. Rupert wanted to make it and hated the system at the same time. Unable to love, Rupert wanted to sell or smash things, acquire or destroy. He was unable to find any worth in things other than the way they figured into his own wanting. Still, when he was able in rare moments to rest, he saw the truth of his longing. Rupert told Carmen he had been jealous of her town, jealous of her joy, wanted to claim it for himself, and hated her for finding it and showing it to him, revealing the poverty of his separation. Carmen learned each soul has a troubled story, isolated in the myth of its own loneliness. When she paused her own seeking, she was able to listen deeply. She heard the little voices of these other beings, and her heart was educated by them. The town taught Carmen Alendra about rapture. Through grief, Carmen learned there's a deeper beauty, but it's not personal. Carmen Alendra stumbled through loss and found another rude home. It was not the home she would have wanted for herself, had you asked her when she was young and all wrapped up in an old town? This home was all crumpled up in some places, full of life's accruements. There were no besotted lovers in her daily bed, no perfect matches for her clever self, no volumes of her memoirs causing a literary stir, no perfect arrangement of things that didn't somehow crumble. When she was lucky, some squirrels up to antics out the window, a bowl of fruit revealed in light. A letter from a friend in the mailbox. A story in a good book that caught her heart in her throat to make her look at the world anew. Sometimes bending and breathing a certain way, she would feel the world as a calm unfolding through her body. Through the complex web of embodied joys, refusals, rejections, and sorrows, Carmen encountered a town on the inside of her being. A town that could be shared without pain of rupture a town in which communion became possible. Carmen learned to navigate time and schism through the vehicle of breath. Energetic doorways clicked open, revealing an ancestral vastness. There she found sadness and rupture, and beneath that, a calm, tender warmth. Her senses traveled the silk channels of an inward web, revealing a piezoelectric garden. And here, Carmen learned to embrace rather than steel herself against the vibrational frequencies of joy, fear, anxiety, and hunger. Turning inward, 
Carmen learned to calm the fuck down, ride the waves out, whatever the force they carried. Instead of getting rigid, Carmen allowed for her fascial webs to transduce, passing the force along and out to wherever it might need to go. Carmen stopped storing fear. Grief like a flood left her. Raw, empty Carmen, just like the old rooms. All the buildings she had gathered in the past down from life to life, her organism carrying the gummy blindness of hereditary time. Learning how to be a woman, from social strictures set up to tear her spirit down, keep her body in line. In her calmness, Carmen learned to love. There was tenderness for Rupert. Tenderness for Sheila Joffers. Tenderness for Carmen Alendra. All mumbling about inspirited flesh. For me, this is a wise and inward story about home. Home is the town in each of us. It's not about geography, but of spirit and soul. That place within us of love and acceptance for who we are, and the world as it is. Today's reading was the short story, The Town Carmen Found, from the book Glorious Frazzled Beings by Angelique Lalonde, published by House of Anansi Press. Thank you for listening to Passage to Wonderland. Until next time, rest easy.